What's going to be a closest? The high and low temperatures for that day or the score of the football game? Ooh. Will Penn State outscore the one. temperature? <laughs> <laughs> the high temperature or any of the temperatures. Weather actually. versus football. Let's see who wins this week. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast, your home for all the latest and sometimes greatest in IU football news. Cameron Drummond here coming at you from inside beautiful Franklin Hall inside podcast studio number eight. Sean Mintert, as always, is also in here, but instead of Murphy Wheeler this week, we have a special guest. How should I introduce you, Michael? Not a special guest, that's for sure. So as a Just guest. Just guest. Singular guest. We have Michael Dugan from... I don't know. What do you want to plug? You want to plug iOS TV? You want to plug Assembly Call? What do you want to do? Well, you just plugged them both. Okay. So let's roll with it. Michael Dugan covers um, football, does a football podcast on the Assembly Call podcast network, iOS TV, wizard extraordinaire. You can catch him on the toss-up every week uh, from inside Franklin Hall. He'll be sitting in with us while Murphy is covering the senior LPGA championship in French Lick, Indiana. Only the most exciting. Hey, I went on Monday. It was It was lit. I did mean, you did you catch a glimpse of any uh, women's golf greats? Laura Davies. Laura Davies was Ooh. there. Laura Davies is very good at the senior women's golf. She circuit. was good at the regular women's golf <laughs> circuit too. The C- for those of you who don't, the senior LPGA is forty five years and up. And it was funny because there was a lady there from Sweden, and she had turned. Was it Annika Sorenstam? It was not Annika <laughs> okay. Sorenstam. She turned forty five, like on sunday midnight to monday so she was only eligible for the tournament which is monday through wednesday because she turned 45 the day of it and she was like 300 after the first round wow yeah i mean it's wild how birthdays work you know mm-hmm. it's delroy crazy it's, it's wednesday we're recording this it's delroy baker's birthday today i i believe wow um and he can play this also, Saturday regardless it's of also birthday. robert williams's birthday noted boston celtic member okay we don't it's no, a big day you excited? You're not wearing your Celtics jersey today after season opener last night. Uh, yeah, because I saved my jerseys for the postseason and the games that matter. Okay. Well, speaking of the games that matter, oh, last week was a game that mattered to Indiana football, and man, did it go poorly for them. What was the final score again? Forty-two sixteen. Yep. The Hoosiers lost. The they, well, I'm saying the Hoosiers lost to the Iowa Hawkeyes on homecoming, nonetheless, here in Bloomington. Uh, we were all in the press box, literally seated right next to each other. We all had. You know, fun banter during the game. Ate a lot of the chicken. I had five um, sprites. That's w- impressive. <laughs> you bringing anything to the table food-wise, Dugan? Here? Um, I had five of those sandwiches, which is not that impressive because they weren't that big. I had no sprites. Did you go with the spicy chicken or the the beef? I had thing? three beef sandwiches okay. and two chicken. Okay, that's a good Mix balance. It up. Yeah, I would have gone three chicken, two beef, but. Well, the thing was, I was about to go to Dats after everything mm. wrapped up, but my friends ditched me, so wow. I went easy with the chicken. So, aside from the food-related stuff, there was not much to note from that game in a positive sense from Indiana football. Um, the Hoosiers kind of got outplayed and outclassed in every regard. They led, I believe, 3 nothing, and that was it, right? Like, after mm-hmm. that, just nothing. The equivalent to scoring first in a basketball game. Right. So, they have that, but just from you guys' perspective, we all saw that game. What went wrong and why did it go wrong so badly? Well, I think there's definitely got to be some questions about the coaching staff's ability to like motivate a team because it was homecoming. You haven't won in homecoming since 2010. It's a conference game shout against out, a pretty good team. Shout out the Arkansas State Red Wolves for yes. being the last Thank team you, to Arkansas State. accept an L in Bloomington on homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> and they barely lost. They only lost by two. Yeah, they by lost two. by two. 
Good Thanks to DeMarlo Belcher. <laughs> but yeah, it's homecoming. You haven't won at homecoming in a while. It's a pretty good team. It's a Big Ten opponent. And you can't be bothered to show up. Like, I, I, like, there was just almost no energy from the get go, save from the first drive where they, you know, got down the field pretty easily. But still, stalled in the red zone. What else is new? Um, But still, it was a solid start to the game. You put three points on the board, and then they just went to sleep. It was, it was like somebody just hit a switch and everyone just forgot how to play football. It was, that's the worst game I've ever seen in Memorial Stadium. Really? That's worse than. Richard Lego throwing five interceptions, interceptions against Wake Forest. Year. That's yeah. the worst I've seen an IU football team play. Dugan? I agree. Uh, the other game, I think the the leader in the clubhouse of worst game I've seen in person inside Memorial Stadium was Wisconsin last year because that was kind of mm. like looking uphill at a train that's about to yeah. fall on your face, and it did. We were just talking about this on your podcast. What's it called? Give it the correct this plug. week in IU football. Week, yeah, it's really creative. We, I always do two podcasts every Wednesday, one with Dugan, one with these guys, sometimes one in the middle with Galen Clavio on Crimson Cast. Give that a plug, too. But we were just talking about that Wisconsin game. But at least IU led 10 nothing in that game. Like, inevitably, you knew what was going to happen. But at least they had the energy that I think they closed out the first quarter with a 10 nothing lead, and they just didn't even get to that point against Iowa. And Wisconsin was the number four team in the country last year. Iowa isn't that good. They made Iowa look great. You and I talked last before the game. Nate yeah. Stanley's not that great of a quarterback. Their He's offensive line though. hasn't gotten that push all season. Everything unit. we said going into the game was true. Iowa wasn't great at anything, but they looked great at almost everything on Saturday. I mean, that's how the game went. Offensively for Indiana, I didn't see a purpose in anything they did after the first drive. Peyton Ramsey was 31 of 42, but still somehow managed to have a QBR of 32. That's not good. That's not good. 31 of 42 is pretty good in most scenarios. This was not most scenarios. Everyone offensively was lost. Stevie Scott touched the ball eight times. I don't know what they were doing from almost start until the end of the fourth quarter. I don't know what happened. Well, we are talking about a lot of those 31 completions just a second ago on your podcast. There were a lot of short passes, a lot of screens. and even What though, else is new? They weren't even well thrown, though. They were like screens that were kind of off to the side of screens where if Ramsey kind of overthrows a guy, you got to hit a guy right on the money for a screen to give you – I mean, because those blocks aren't going to hold up a ton. And you mentioned the running game, Stevie Scott, Ronnie Walker Jr. Neither of them had – I mean, they had a couple nice runs here and there, but none of them had the consistent kind of 15 to 20 feed your running back performance that – you know, you'd like to see from an Indiana team, and it really hasn't happened for the Hoosiers since that Virginia game. And then defensively, I guess, I don't know who wants to start what on defense because that was another – it was literally the Ohio State performance only against Iowa and at home. I'll start on a positive note. They got in the backfield yeah. when Nate Stanley dropped back to pass. They just couldn't bring him down. <laughs> yeah, they had three people <laughs> hanging on his legs and <laughs> still find the ability to throw a 20-yard touchdown pass or whatever. It was <laughs> – they got Pretty there. Phenomenal. They right. got there, but you got to do more than just show up. Which right. I mean, they they showed up in that sense, but not in in most of the other senses of the game. But they got in the backfield. Their their blitzes were effective at times. Their coverage wasn't great. Nate Stanley threw a couple of touchdowns that were absolute dimes of throws. Yeah. Pretty well covered, but nothing you can do. But there were some touchdowns that were head scratching, to be generous. Yeah, he did. Stanley did a great job of extending some of those plays when there was a pass rush, and he made he made IU pay, you know, for having to cover downfield for like ten or more seconds on on a few of those. Because yeah. when you have to cover receivers for that long, more often than not, someone's going to be open. And that's the thing; he was afforded the time and yeah. the luxury to kind of stand there for ten or so seconds while plays developed down the field. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a good tackling day for no, the No, didn't either. that didn't help at all either. Uh, the 
I I couldn't begin to even count how many missed tackles or how many guys bounced off somebody. It was just it was abysmal. I, I mean, that was probably the worst like fundamental performance I've seen out of Tom Allen's defense so far. Uh, you know, the Ohio State one, you can chalk that up to, you know, they've got a Heisman contender at quarterback. They've got elite athletes all over the field. This was Iowa. Like, they're not they're not known for torching teams. You know, sure, they hung up 55 on Ohio State last year. I love bringing that up. But, <laughs> um, you know, that's not really something they do. You know, they kind of just sort of beat your head into the ground. And, and this was just – it just looked like every Iowa player was a class above IU, and I think we know that's not true, so – well, thing too is you look at the performance from Iowa's two tight ends, Noah Fant and is this correct pronunciation T.J. Hawkinson. 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 So when you look at Fant and Hawkinson, both of them with tremendous days, over 100 yards receiving, and it's not like that was a surprise though, or it's not like it's a thing that Indiana, you know, was taken aback by when Iowa started running routes with their tight ends over the middle and having them find space. Indiana knew they were going to have to cover both Fant and Hawkinson, and they just couldn't do it. I mean, you talk about the Ohio State theory about. Iowa doesn't have elite athletes all over the field. The one thing IU knew was that they were going to have to do some very tight blanket coverage on Iowa's tight ends. They tried to do it, and Iowa was just better than them at it. They just beat them at what both teams knew was going to happen. They didn't do anything that good teams do, really, defensively, yeah. except for halfway get to the quarterback. They got, yeah. like I said, they got in the backfield, <laughs> but they, they laid a hand on him, but that's all they did. You know, They slapped him on the wrist. And Look, like I said, Nate Sand his his completion percentage wasn't fantastic. It was fine. Um, they defended some passes well. They blitzed him a couple times. They pressured him well. But the the secondary did what it could on some play on some plays. Like I said, but other times it was just a complete breakdown. I mean, Hawkinson had room in front of him every time he caught the ball, except for when he caught it in the end zone and had seven <laughs> points on the board before Indiana could even blink. Um, they let Noah Fant run crazy. They they let their they let two tight ends on Iowa run crazy. It, like that doesn't happen in an Iowa offense. That doesn't happen under Kirk Ferentz. You you get it to the tight end. He barrels forward. He picks up a first down, or he barrels over the goal line. You don't let him make plays with his feet, let alone two of them. And I think the number that sticks out to me is both of those tight ends ha- had more rushing yards than Indiana did as a team by over thirty, each of them. It it, it means nothing because you're comparing offense to offense, but right. like you just can't let that kind of performance happen from two guys that shouldn't be making plays with their feet when you can't do anything offensively. It it was a train wreck. Yeah, I'd say, you know, the fact that they let not just one tight end but two tight ends have 100-yard receiving games, um, that says a lot about how, how bad it was. abysmal that defense <laughs> played on Saturday. I so mean, it was the same thing we saw in Columbus too when we were there. It was such an all or nothing performance from the defense because either Indiana was going to get a takeaway like they did with Thomas Allen's interception or Iowa was going to go down the field and get a touchdown. It's not like Indiana was able to buckle down in the red zone and force a field goal or even, you know, size up and force a punt every now and again. It was like just a steady diet of either turnover or touchdown and again, you know, when you're when I was going to end up well, putting, what, 42 points on the board, you can't really expect IU's offense to match that. No, you can't. I I don't know where to begin offensively. Like, We could talk about anything. Yeah. I, The offensive line hasn't been good, and Cameron, you and I talked about this earlier. Offensively for Indiana, it, it's it's kind of like they go to dead ends with everything they say. It's yeah. Peyton Ramsey. Well, maybe Peyton Ramsey can't make these throws downfield. Okay, we'll get creative. Well, we can't get creative because we have no push offensive on the offensive line. Okay, well then throw downfield. Like you can't really go anywhere because there just seem to be too many errors that Tom Allen and Mike DeBoard have publicly acknowledged. And 
it's if you're an Indiana fan, it's kind of a helpless feeling. Like, well, then what are we going to do? Are we just going to keep seeing the same thing? I mean, old habits die hard, and they haven't really shown that they have any interest or capability in breaking the habit that is this offensive identity or lack thereof. I'd say it's a balanced offense, but it's uh, bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It's like a balanced diet, but all you're eating is KFC and McDonald's. Like yeah, fair enough. Yeah, throw in a few Twinkies when you get home. <laughs> yeah, you gotta That's have the, the special sweets. teams. The sweets balance it out. Um, <laughs> but there just isn't really anyone that you can like. Nick Westbrook isn't making as many plays as people thought he was, and and you know some of that is you know it's hard to come back from a season-ending injury. It it doesn't really look like he's the same player he was two years ago, um, and some of that is maybe some limitations for for Peyton Ramsey. But there just isn't. There just doesn't seem to be a guy. You know, I use always, at least in in my short experience watching the team. There's always at least one guy that you can kind of go to 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 settle down the offense. You know, it could be Nate Sudfeld. It could have been Jordan Howard or Tevin Coleman. It could have been Simi Cobbs. There isn't that guy this year, and I think that maybe there's sort of kind. There's kind of a feeling of all right. Well, if we don't have the go-to guy, then who does make the play when we need to? And right now, the answer is no one. And they're not really trying to find that guy. Mm. I mean, they're kind of lobbing it to Donovan Hale, and, and Ty Freifogel had a couple of late catches last week and a couple of good plays, and he's got some athleticism that I think could really help Indiana down the road if they choose to use him, that is. But, no, I completely agree with everything you just said. They don't have that guy. They're not really trying to find that guy, and you would think that with a team that doesn't have that guy, that kind of weapon that they can lean back on, you'd at least kind of by default give it to the most experienced guy, which is Nick Westbrook and they're doing the opposite of that. There were four guys that had more catches than Nick Westbrook did last week, and four other guys that had the same amount of catches, and one of them was Mike Majette. Um, so, I, like, I just don't... Two running backs had the same number of catches as Nick Westbrook. That's right, Stevie yeah. Scott and Mike Majette. Um, I, I, I don't know what they're doing. I, they, there are so many things that they could be doing extra, or in, in addition to what they're doing right now. They're not doing any of them, and it's... It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. I mean, the thing is, too, is when you look at, you know, potential X factors or whatever on the offensive side of the ball, they're not exactly doing anything particularly special with Reese Taylor really to get him the football rather than just, you know, lining him up at like a slot wide receiver and throwing him a couple passes each game, right? I mean, is there any, if there's going to be one guy on the team you want to just kind of have these, you know, maybe potential breakout plays, are you looking at a guy like Westbrook? Are you looking at a guy like Taylor? I mean, who's going who's gonna to be the, the playmaker, the difference maker? I kind of think they want it to be Taylor because in this game he had six catches yeah. only for 28 <laughs> yards, which is ridiculous. What's that, what's that, what's that quick math breakdown to? Uh, uh, four point something, right? 4.7. And his longest was nine. Mm-hmm. So it's not like – Yeah. Like it was – oh. But and, and we've seen them sort of try and get him going in the vertical passing game yeah. too. We've seen uh, Peyton Ramsey overthrow him a few times, and, and I think that kind of may have – they may have overcorrected a little bit and tried to get him the ball, you know, right at the line of scrimmage. Well, he's not a very big guy. You can't you can't really have him running in there, nope. you know, close to the line of scrimmage where it's going to get physical. That's going to take some time for him to be able to handle that in the Big Ten. So they need to do a better job of getting guys like Reese Taylor and guys like Jay Sean Harris the ball <clears throat> in open space. Harris only had two catches for 11 yards after he had two pretty good games the last couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, after two huge so games. So I'm not, I'm not sure what the plan was when they decided to just – quit giving him the ball on offense it's it seems like a pretty questionable decision to me um but it just seems like there's no there's no identity there's no 
person that you can look to and say, hey, he's going to make a play when we need one. There's, there's not, This offense just doesn't have a whole lot going for it. Right. What I don't get is they tried a bunch of things that they haven't tried all year against Ohio State, including Jay Sean Harris as an offensive asset, and he was tremendous. And it kind of worked against Ohio State of all teams. And so, well, then, that secondary is pretty bad. So that's that's true. the result of some. That's at least partly something. That's true, that. but it's still full of athletes, yeah. and there's no lack of talent. The secondary is not clicking right now for Ohio State, and I think it could come back to bite them. But that's a separate conversation. Um, but there's no doubt there's talent there, and that Indiana has faced weaker units this season and will face weaker units in the secondary. And that's the only time they tried it, like on the road against Ohio State, and it kind of worked. Mm-hmm. A- and they didn't do anything even close to what they did in that game against Iowa. I, it, it just kind of makes me throw my hands up, which I'm literally doing right now, and just say, why? Well, why? Why not? Like, what are you doing? When you're talking about something kind of going away from the offense, the rushing game really has been non-existent for this little stretch of poor Indiana football. I mean, Michigan State— You mean just Big Ten play? Is that- <laughs> yes, actually, Big Ten play, correct. Because Michigan State completely snuffed out, and you kind of made your piece with the fact that Michigan State's front seven was going to absolutely destroy IU's offensive line, which is what happened not only in the running game but in the passing game as well. Against Rutgers, I think Stevie Scott had a touchdown, but still you didn't have as much joy, as much freedom. It was a passing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. It was a receiving I touchdown? I think it was on like a swing pass or right. something. So there's or that. I'm thinking of Ohio State, one of the two. And then Ohio State, they had the huge rush from Stevie Scott to start, start the game. I think it was 45 yards, and he finished with 54 yards rushing. <laughs> Um, so that explains how that went. And then you mentioned the carries earlier. I think you gave the numbers on it. Ronnie Walker, I think, had three or four. Stevie Scott had, like, nine. So it's not even an F- – I mean, they had some decent kind of yards per carry averages. Like, they weren't terrible. But it was just the case, I think, of Indiana, I guess, maybe got too far behind on the scoreboard a bit and then just kind of abandoned the run almost out of necessity. But why abandon the run if you're going to throw it four yards? You can pick up four yards on the ground, right? Like, I mean, you'd think you could. You'd think. That's a much right. easier said than done. But it's not like they're abandoning the run to go score at a quicker pace. They're abandoning the run to – throw the ball the same distance that they could potentially run the ball on any given down. It, it There's just so much going on offensively, and none of it correlates to anything else, and it's just a bunch of randomness that has absolutely no identity and no signs pointing toward a potential change. It looks like after the first drive in every game, like Mike DeBoer just doesn't have a plan. I think the first <laughs> drive is scripted. Because it usually seems to work fairly well. Everyone knows, you know, what's going on. They they can move the ball at least. And then you get nothing for at least like a quarter and a half. So it it, it seems like once he runs out of the scripted plays, Mike DeBoard is like a chicken with his head cut off. He doesn't know up from down and left from right. It's like a boxer that plans for a fight to go in and get a knockout in the first round. And then the rest of the fight, you're you're expecting a knockout, but instead you get Mayweather-Pacquiao. It's just a bunch of dancing and nonsense with no real, you know, climax or turning point. It's it's a whole lot of nothing. I think I illegally streamed that fight. All right. Cool. It wasn't a good fight. No, it no, was it terrible. You saved a lot of money. I watched it at my after prom. Your after prom? Yeah. It was Mayweather-Pacquiao? Yeah. It's must-see TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. not McGregor I was thinking Mayweather. McGregor Mayweather. I mean, both fights were pretty bad. Did I say McGregor Mayweather? No, I just misremembered. No, you said you said the right one. Okay. Cam's just not very smart. <laughs> I, I probably illegally streamed both fights, actually, if we're being honest about it. Um, so speaking of fights, what kind of fight will the Hoosiers 
put up against Penn State this weekend. That was a great segue. Come on, Dad. That was a pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty darn good. I mean, <laughs> I don't have high hopes. So, does anyone have the line? What's the um? What's That's the a great uh, question? I would guess twenty twenty. I would say Penn State's a twenty point favorite. Right now, I'm seeing fifteen and a half. Oh, that's not enough. <laughs> Ooh, that's not enough. <laughs> Here's the thing. I I will kind of inject a little bit of optimism here. Um, James Franklin came out after Ohio State and preached, "We are gonna absolutely work our tails off. We've got a bye week." He randomly threw some guys under the bus for not going to class, which I found extremely awkward and uncomfortable. Mm. Um, but the gist or the gist that he was trying to portray in his press conference was kind of like the Tebow speech. You'll never see a team work as hard as we will for the rest of the season. We're going to be elite. We don't have a lot going for us right now or not as much as we'd like, but we're going to continue to fight. And what do you do after a bye week? You show up and you let Brian Lewerke beat you on your home turf. Like, happens to the best of teams. Happen in Indiana. Brian really. Lewerke. It happened to Ohio State. What two years? Well, was it Lewerke? Yeah. No, that no. was no. That, that was, was without Connor Cook. That was whoever the backup yeah. was to Connor Cook. So worse than Lewerke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, maybe <laughs> Brian Lewerke was twenty four of fifty two in that game with a QBR of twenty two point seven and won the game. Won the game. Trace McSorley, which is I think by far the most valuable player in the Big Ten was terrible. Uh, he was 19 of 32 for 192 and a touchdown. Running the ball, he was not nearly as effective as he was against Ohio State. Miles Sanders finally showed up when McSorley struggled, but I mean, other than that, I think the fact that Trace McSorley is invincible, is a human after all, a mortal human, is a sign of optimism for Indiana, because if Penn State can go into that game with a, with a week off and all of that motivation after the Ohio State game and just kind of lay an egg like that, I think there's a chance maybe they're losing it a little bit. Maybe James Franklin's losing his guys. And Indiana could come out, hit him in the teeth on the first drive, and continue hitting them in the teeth and right. make that's, it an actual fight instead of Mayweather-Pacquiao. But we'll see. I mean, the thing, too, is uh, so it's been, what, three weeks since Penn State's won a football game then, right? Because by week, lost to Michigan State, lost to Ohio State. Or I guess four weeks by the time this Saturday rolls around. So what was their last win? The last time they won a game was on September 21st. Okay, who was it? It was Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was that game. Yeah, it was on, like, what, a Friday yeah, night or something? I watched that game on a Friday night yeah. in my apartment. Yeah, okay. So Illinois was, was like, Illinois they they were leading them. in the, they hung with them for, like, the first half, and yeah. then Penn State scored, like, 40 unanswered. Indiana right. has actually won a game more, more recently. recently. Yeah, Rutgers, that's right. true. Thank you, Rutgers. So the only, the only thing, I guess, or I guess one of the big selling points for why Indiana could upset Penn State would just be maybe we're at a point where Penn State is, you know, kind of, detached from their season because they already have two losses they're probably not going to do anything in the big 10 east in terms of winning the division mm -hmm. just because well i mean they lost to ohio state and they lost to michigan state so those are two head-to-head -head losses yeah so. but they still have michigan michigan could beat ohio state right so okay. i guess you could michigan still has to play michigan state there's there's, there's still schools. there's still plenty of things that can happen in the big 10 east they're not out of it so okay so you did the three things you can mm -hmm. Three things on Penn State, like usual, Sean's uh, preview of IU's opponent. You can find that at idsnews.com. What are we sh looking for in Memorial Stadium this week? Well, two of them we've somewhat covered already. They're pretty obvious. It's the tandem in the backfield. It's yeah. Sanders and and Trace McSorley. And Sanders, fun fact, he's off to a better start than Saquon Barkley was at this point last year. So um, in case you were wondering if the Penn State running game was going to drop off a little <laughs> bit after Saquon left, you would be mistaken. He's averaging 6.7 yards a carry. <laughs> He's ran for 700 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, 
So, you know, those two That's, that individual <laughs> those those individual numbers have to be better than Indiana's total rushing. Oh, yes, they I are. Definitely. I'll so. pull up those team numbers for 110%. I think McSorley and uh Sanders combined might have double what IU has. IU as a team has 1048 rushing. Yes. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's that has Ramsey to be. must be must have more than I thought. Ramsey has 189. Huh. After that, after Stevie Scott and Ramsey, Ronnie Walker has 95. Reese Taylor. Stevie Scott at rushing for the season. 557. Oh wow. That's How'd they bad. get to a thousand then? Well, I, it was that one game against Virginia for Stevie Scott. Goodness. When you have a 200 yard rushing game, it yeah. kind of inflates the numbers. That's fair. Those numbers caught me off guard as well. Right. But the McSorley, I mean McSorley, Saunders, Sanders, Sanders, Sanders. Sanders. Apologies. Sanders' tandem definitely has to. Yeah, fun fact about Trace McSorley. He had 461 yards of offense alone against uh, Ohio State three weeks ago. Goodness. So, uh, yeah, and then the other one we've already also talked about that. They're coming off of the back-to-back heartbreaking losses. They lost with, like, what, 18 seconds left on the clock against Michigan State, and they lost by one against Ohio State. stuffed fourth and four, whatever it was. When they ran directly (laughs) up the middle. That was a Mike DeBoard DeBoard play play call call. right there. Yeah. that's a compliment almost. So you can either get Penn State, you know, really fired up trying to save their season. They still have an outside – it's a pretty long shot, but they still have a chance of making the Big Ten championship game. They're going to need Ohio State and Michigan to stumble at least twice. They'll need help, um, right? Yeah, they'll need a lot of help, but they can still do it. They still have Michigan on the schedule. So this is kind of like for, – from here on out for Penn State, if they want this to be a successful season, every game is a must win. So – they're either going to be angry about that loss or they're going to come out flat like they did against Michigan State. I use got to hope for the latter, I think, to have a chance. Oh, 100%. And I think there's reason to believe that could happen. I mean, uh, we'll find out that. pretty soon. I yeah. mean, look, you would think going into last week, James Franklin would have gotten his guys up and ready to go, and they weren't Frame, really. Frames Janklin. Can you stop? <laughs> that was pretty good. That pretty, was a pretty good what? Spoonerism. Ugh. We don't know what to do with it. I, I, how do you segue from that? <laughs> Just talk through it. But, like, I don't know what to say. That's – all right, well, I'm going to do my best. Uh, we're going to brush that aside. Uh, James Franklin is his name, head coach James Franklin. You would think he would have gotten the boys ready to go, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think That's a team that was playing for the Big Ten East title, and now all of a sudden they need Ohio State to lose three times because Penn State's dropped two in conference play. Ohio State owns the tiebreaker. So they need Ohio State to lose to Michigan. Uh, Rut- no, they already beat Rutgers. They, already beat they, need, they need them to lose three times, and we're halfway through October is what I'm Maryland, saying. Maryland, probably. Um, so they're not mathematically out of it, but they need a lot of help, and I think they're coming to terms with the fact that they're not going to be in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. So what exactly are they playing for? Because they're probably not playing for a New Year's Six game unless they absolutely roll through everyone else. Yeah. So – I think when you get a team that's been on top for so long and then suddenly they're asking, what the heck do we play for? You know, maybe maybe they come out flat. I don't know. I'm just trying to McSorley's be optimistic. McSorley's probably playing for a Heisman at this point. McSorley's, yeah. yeah McSorley's or playing Sanders. For, yeah. You never know. I mean, for two. draft stock and yeah. Heisman. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, draft stock more than anything else I'm thinking, too. I mean, um, we just saw this in the Big Ten East earlier this week with Nick Bosa basically saying, okay, I'm just going to drop out of school and focus on rehabbing my injury and get ready for the draft instead of, like, Stick it. I don't know if he'd be back for Ohio State any time this year, but, you know, if that's a thing, like, you know, players kind of – I mean, it has to be a thing, right? Like, players, you know, who are expecting to play either in a New Year's Six game or, like, a Big Ten tile game or something, when things start to not go right, you just kind of go, Well, oh. yeah, but the thing about Bosa is Ohio State is still thinking college football right. playoff. No. Yeah. 
the thing with Bosa is Chase Young, who's playing for him, yeah. was a top ten recruit, and yeah. he'll probably be a top ten Has like pick. Seven sacks already. Yeah, this year, he's though. the backup. Look at that dude, and he looks like he could start in the NFL last year. Like, it's unbelievable. He's from the same t- uh, hometown as Victor Oladipo, by the way. It's a completely useless Bethesda, tidbit. Maryland? Upper Marlboro. Oh, isn't Mar- that where Victor's from? He's from somewhere in Maryland. He went to Demotha Catholic. Catholic. Yeah, I thought he was from whatever. He's from yeah. near where, <laughs> near where Oladipo is from. Everyone in Maryland is the same. Um, they have cans of Old Spice. That's old a generalization. <laughs> I don't appreciate that. Are you from Maryland? No. So how do you know what I'm saying is wrong? How do you know what you're saying is right? You're I, not from Maryland. I've never been to Maryland, but I've seen things, man. <laughs> they all have crabs in like aquariums in their house, and then they eat them. What things have you seen that yeah. led you to that conclusion? <laughs> things, man. Shows. Shows, movies, books. Did you just see The Wire and like freak out? <laughs> Is that what happened? <laughs> Never seen The Wire, actually, as we're going to continue through the list of things I haven't seen but should see. Never saw The Wire. Um, Billy Madison. We've covered that I've, one. I never saw Spanglish. Where Adam Sandler and I think there's plenty of people that haven't seen Spanglish. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Seen I haven't Spanglish. either. I've never seen Big Daddy. That's a good one. Are um, you just listing Adam Sandler movies? What was the one he just did with Kevin Smith and I think Chris Rock, where they're like in this giant arcade game? Pixels. Never seen Pixels. Ah, Is Pixels good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do you think I saw it? <laughs> I don't know what you do in your free time. Did you see bedtime stories? No, I didn't. Wow. I didn't see the one where the rock was the tooth fairy either. I think that one's just called the tooth fairy. I think it's just called the tooth fairy. Actually. I did see the game plan though, where the rock plays an NFL quarterback who like realizes yep. he has a daughter like right before he plays the Super Bowl. That's a good movie. Isn't that like Dante Pettis's sister or something? Yeah, Madison, yeah, Madison. Madison Pettis. Mm-hmm. She was on uh, Corey in the House. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, other shows on the Disney Channel Network. Oh yeah. When I was a youth. Wow, she's twenty now. That's crazy. It is. That makes me feel kind of old. So that movie came out like almost 10 years ago? The game plan was 07. Look at wow. that. Look at that. Wow. Well, here's the thing. He's I, right. I think every movie was made in 2007. If you told me when was Inception made, 2007. When was Titanic made, uh, 2007. The new Venom movie, 2007. Avatar, I, I 2007. Gotcha. Whoa, Inception was 2010? I feel like that was earlier. The Halloween remake, 2007. I just think everything in, in existence of Planet Earth has happened in 2007. When did Alabama win a national title? 2007. When did Vince Young well, do okay. the Rose Bowl? 2007. <laughs> Come on. You can't be that bad with dates. <laughs> when was the last time IU beat Penn State? It was in 2007. It, it was like 20. It was the year after the suspension, right? For uh, Penn State? Yeah. That was not 2007. The last time I, no, the last time IU beat Penn State, it wasn't 2007, but that was the last time IU beat them. It was the first year back from the sanctions. That would have been 2003. 13? I believe so. I think I think it was the Bill O'Brien led. 2012. It would have been 2012. 2012. It was the summer of 2012, I think. So, the summer of 2012. Yeah, oh, that's when it was imposed. Oh, I thought you meant like... Fun a- fact, that's also IU's only win. Ever? Ever. <laughs> against Penn State. Penn State is 20-1 and one against IU. No way. Yes. That is a fun fact. IU's only win against Pennsylvania State was in 2012. 2013. 44-24. 40, in Bloomington. That's a good win. In Goodness. Who was the quarterback that I used? Was that, was that Hackenberg for Penn State? Uh, no. I'm going to pull up the box score and we're just going to read some names. Yeah, no. Let's do that. Better than what I was going to say. For well, what were you going to say? I was not, gonna, not as cool oh, as this. Oh, October stuff. 5th, 2013. That's a day I'll remember forever because that's when Northwestern blew it against Ohio State. Uh, Game day was in Evanston for that. Yes, it was. I was there at four in the morning. That was Nate Sudfeld, Tevin Coleman, 
Cody, Cody Latimer, Latimer, Kofi Hughes. Man. Allen Robinson had 173 yards and two touchdowns oh my for Penn word. State. Who was their quarterback, Penn State? Hackenberg. That was Christian, he Christian had 340 Hacken. and three touchdowns. Literally the most overrated NFL prospect of a quarterback, I think. I, maybe not, maybe Josh Allen now, but before Josh Allen. Hey, I, Josh Allen's good. Respect, Christian Hagenberg was really Bills, not yeah. that great You know who Penn else State. played quarterback in that game for Indiana? Trey Robinson. Trey Robinson. Trey Robinson. He's in the CFL now, I think. Doesn't he play, like, safety or something? Yeah, maybe. I'm going to say he's with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Don't hold me to that. I will hold you to that, and it's wrong. Dang it. Who's the Calgary Stampeders. Ah, they, they have SMU's logo. I can name all the CFL teams. Shane like Wynn was CFL on that guy. team. Shane Wynn? Goodness. So it's been a minute, basically. What that's a really good IU team is what we're trying to uh-huh. say. That makes That's probably a lot of people on the IU All-Decade team. You want to talk about the 2010s? What did that team finish? Did they finish 4-8? and eight? Probably. Because whatever they finished was an underachievement because that's a really good roster they had. Evergreen statement about Indiana football, whatever. Five and seven. Five, five and seven. seven. Three and five in the Big Ten. Did they win the bucket game, though? So like They, they cl- did. So they closed uh, with a fifth okay, win. They that didn't was in Bloomington. I was not in attendance at that one. Neat. No, oh, they had a heartbreaking loss to Minnesota on November 2nd. Lost by three at home. Don't you guys love reminiscing they about They also lost Indiana's to Navy and Missouri in non-conference. Oh, that, no, that was the Navy loss. People talk about that Navy loss yeah. as a trip up. It gets you. <laughs> painful memory. I'm sure they like Navy now. The two and four Navy midshipmen. SMU beat Navy. Shout out Mustangs. Pony power. Pony up. Pony express. Pony excess. That's a great good movie. Great. It's a 30 for 30. It's what happened to Craig James? Does he just like He was an ESPN analyst yeah. for a bit. He dropped out to try and run for I believe senator in Texas. Oh, I bet that went well. He got <laughs> Yeah. You think that went well? <laughs> Absolutely. He did a great job of running his political campaign and did so well actually. Um all right. So, going back to football now. <laughs> what does Indiana have to do this weekend? To recreate that 2013 game. Not necessarily score 44 points, but, like, come out with a dub. Whoa. It's, uh, you're asking a lot. It's there. not rocket science, <laughs> but it's pretty darn close. Um, I don't know. We might have to see Michael Penix in order for that to happen. We, You, me, and everyone else here knows that's not going to happen. Yeah. We've been told he's going to play two more times, but... My theory is they're going to play him either in the bucket game in the bowl game or in the bucket game and insert another game wow. where Indiana desperately needs to win, like Maryland or something. I, they have to. If it's a game where Indiana desperately needs to win, then just start him because that's pretty much the case now. Yeah. What at this point? What do they have to lose? Not much. Like, are are you really going to sit this kid on the bench and for an entire year and, and watch the season go? Like, it's not. They're not in the position to save for the future. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just say, yeah, we're in a rebuilding mode, we're in a transition period. Like, transition from what? From what? From 6-6 like, six and six to 4-8? and eight? Like, that's not... That's a, what it's looking like. When you finally get to 6-6, six and six, you're not in a position to say, all right, let's rebuild and reload for the next 6-6 six and six team. Now, that's a 6-6 six and six team that may go 7-5. and five. They're not in that position. Like, if you can win with a guy, you play him. And we'll never know if Michael Penix is ready to win right now cuz he's not going to play. So would you two both like to see him against Penn State this weekend? Yes, why not? I mean, yeah. What uh, do you have to lose? Uh, unless Ramsey starts 10 of 10 for 150 yards and two touchdowns, I there isn't really <laughs> like there's no reason not to play him. What do, exactly? What do you have to lose? Why not? Don't ask why. They're at the point where now we have to ask why not. Because most of the questions we're asking surrounding Indiana football are what the heck was that? So why not? What do you have to lose? 
His red shirt for what are you saving him for? Fair questions, fair points, all of you. I don't have an answer to what we're <laughs> what they're saving him for because I don't know. All right. Uh, before we go into score predictions for Penn State, do you, you want to do? Uh, he doesn't know what fourth and one is. So do you want to offload it to him this week? That's okay. I'll I'll take a bye week. I'll take the bye week. All right. So we do this thing called fourth and one, which is like the very scientific art of I ask four questions and someone has to respond to all of them like within a minute. Okay. And like we time it, but like it doesn't matter because time is just a social construct meant to further our lives and give us regimen. So <laughs> there are four completely random questions that I will think of on the fly. And I will time you roughly for a minute. You ready? Yep. All right. How many yards passing will Peyton Ramsey have this week? 201 or more, 200 or fewer? 200 or fewer. How many carries will the combined Ronnie Walker-Stevie Scott tandem get? 15 or more, 14 or fewer? 15 or more, but barely. Just barely? 16. Will they combine for 100 yards or more rushing, yes or no? The three of them or Indiana as a whole? Indiana, uh, Stevie Scott and Ronnie Walker, 100 yards between them. No. No? All right. Final one. Hmm. <laughs> we got 30 seconds. Don't worry. I'm at an impasse here. I'm trying to think. I'm trying, I always just threw like a stupid one in there, but I can't think of any good like silly throwaway questions here. Oh, kickoff temperature, above or below 50 degrees? 51, above. Since we have 15 seconds left, over under three plates of food from Cameron Drummond. Oh, four. Over. Easy, over. Over. I don't care what they're going to feed us. I'm gonna it's at a, a weird time, food. though. 3.30 kickoff. Like, it's perfect. Like, I'm just going to have an early breakfast, and then we're just going to We're looking at a high of 57. Mm, yeah, I knew, I, I knew the high, and I well, figured it's middle of the day. The sun will be out by the middle mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah, that yeah. Should be, it should be 57 then-ish, maybe 56, but over 50 for sure. That's leading me perfectly into ask the score prediction question because I know over 50 for sure is going to be in someone's score. What's going to be a closest? The high and low temperatures for that day or the score of the football game? Ooh, Will Penn State outscore the one. temperature? <laughs> <laughs> the high temperature or any of the temperatures. Weather actually. versus football. Let's see who wins this week. Dude, that's that's a, that's a good question, honestly. Uh, Dugan, you want to go first with your score prediction and justification? 43. Five to seventeen, Penn State, and Ooh. I think James Franklin runs up the score because he is the second pettiest coach in college football behind Jim Harbaugh. I was going to ask who's the first pettiest coach in college football. Jim it's Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh. but the James Franklin's coach not in far college behind. Football is a vengeful Bill Snyder. Okay. I love Bill Snyder. <laughs> okay. That's hey. After last answer. week, it might be anyone from Florida or anyone from Vanderbilt. Honestly, if you're willing to run across the field and almost start a fight with one another, fair enough. Might be Derek Mason, but you got what forty-five seventeen. Uh, is it close, like, for a quarter, or is it, like, Penn State all the way? I mean, it'll be 0-0 zero, zero for a bit, uh, <laughs> and then 7 nothing, and then after that it's probably going to be ugly. Will Indiana lead? No. Uh, I guess depending on the kick. Do they get the ball? <laughs> Who wins yeah. the coin toss? Uh, you know what? Yes, because the fourth and one segment I was extremely negative, so I'll say yes, they lead, 3 nothing. Same drill as last week. Sean, you, score prediction and why? Um, just – for perspective, at the beginning of the year, I had this as a 24-14 Penn State win. Um, oh, did you fill it out while I was, we were in the Airbnb in Miami? Was that uh, what you put probably. Down? Probably. Um, I wasn't expecting Penn State to be quite as good on offense this year, but um, I'm going to change that to I think Penn State will outscore the temperature. I'm going to say 63-20. to 20. Penn State de defeats Mother 20. Nature 63-57. to 57. I'll be our art head in the paper if that happens. <laughs> so, again, not close no. at all. No. Yeah, I can see that. It might be like 63 to 3. 
and then IU just gets 17 <laughs> garbage Straight. time points. <laughs> wow, no one has any faith um, no. or optimism. Uh, I don't either. I'm yeah. going to say Penn State 55 because it has to be a 7 because it has to be all touchdowns because that's what the defense has been trending. 55 is not sure. divisible by 7. That I hate to be the – it's 56. Oh, goodness, it's not. It's 56. Wow. Yikes. I can't do math. I can't either, but – well, maybe if you didn't fall asleep in Dr. Brad Lewin's class last semester, you'd be able Ooh, to do math. Listen, I was awake and present for most of those classes. <laughs> uh, so I'll go 56 to 20. I'll say Indiana gets a couple field goals. I want to say Indiana keeps this close for a quarter. Maybe it's like 14 to 6 or like 10 to 13 or something after the first quarter. This is going against my divisible by 7 theory, but whatever. But I just think after a while, it's just not going to be – close i think indiana stays with them for a quarter though here's a good question does james franklin ever go for two? Oh, absolutely yeah at least one or two times he has to if he can turn like a 27 point game into a 29 point game absolutely i think he absolutely with that back-to-back losses we are going to see peak james franklin this is the guy that canceled a series with northwestern six years ago by the u.s postal service and a handwritten note despite being on campus like three days before that's what kind of level service. of petty we're talking about. He also almost fought someone after he, uh, yes, after he did. called him out on the garbage 4-4 play. <laughs> Which it was. I mean, the fan was absolutely right. Yeah. This and he wasn't even mean about it. He was like, got to pass that one, coach. We can't be doing that. And then he was like, what'd you say? That's the thing. It's, it wasn't even like a drunk, rude student. Yeah. He was completely rash. He, was like, uh-huh. he even prefaced it with, I love you. Yeah. But that wasn't your best. As respectful as it gets after you lose a game that ends your season, it's like, like the it's like the gif of the the little baby typing as like the the Derek Jeter respect hat, you know. <laughs> but just with a slightly negative kind of yeah. thing. But like just Derek Jeter ended that game with a walk off single. That the pitch was grooved. Look, it was. You can't. You can't I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say like the Orioles really cared about that game because they didn't. They were yeah. already out of the playoffs, so they're already in the playoffs. I forget how long ago that was in Oriole baseball history. We'll ask Mike Miller that on. On Saturday, whether he thinks the pitch was grooved or not. <laughs> All right. Just the hard hitting questions. O- only the hard hitting mm-hmm. questions. Final thoughts, anyone? Penn State week, uh, moon landing, anything? Um, postal service, I guess. Oof, wow, I mean, that's a pretty broad. Oh, speaking of the topics. postal service, today's a pretty good day. I'm expecting my Patrick Mahomes jersey any any minute now. Just so I could talk about the Chiefs for like the third week in a row. <laughs> Is it, the, is it red or white? It's red. That's yeah, red. It has to be move. red. They're no longer undefeated, so why would you support a team with a loss? I'm sitting here talking about Indiana football. <laughs> <laughs> that ship sailed a while ago then, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pat Mahomes, anyone, anything? We're talking about Lubbock. Great, uh, not great city, actually. Subpar city. Never been? Yeah, I don't, I don't know from experience. I don't think I'm gonna make it to Lubbock either, so maybe we could just like all point stare at it like it's a weird foreign object. We could do that. All right, so thank you for listening to yet another edition of the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast. We will be out there at Memorial Stadium this Saturday, three thirty p.m. kickoff for Indiana against what's Penn State ranked, guys? Number eighteen. Really? Higher than I thought. Indiana against number eighteen Penn State. It'll be. 
3.30 kickoff, ABC will be the television provider, but of course we will have all your live updates on IDSnews.com, on Twitter at IDS underscore sports. Uh, you might as well give Michael Dugan a follow on Twitter as well, considering you just listened to him talk for about 45 minutes and probably weren't expecting it. Or maybe you were expecting it. I don't know. You can never you can never tell what's going to happen on this podcast. But be sure to stick with us, IDSnews.com. Keep it locked. Indiana football coverage for the rest of the season.